one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. All right, good morning. Welcome back to another episode of the Hey Bus Driver podcast. Today is Saturday, exiting spring break for most of us. So I've got uh, some some of my friends here, colleagues from around the valley, uh, directors that are actually one that's northern Arizona up in Flagstaff, and the rest of us down here in the valley. But uh, welcome and thank you guys for coming in. I've got Eric Kissel, who's been on the show before, uh, Patrick Fleming, who's director up in Flagstaff, Trace Tolby out in the East Valley, and Tommy Sims back uh, from Litchfield. So welcome guys. And thank you for taking a little bit of time out this morning from your, uh, spring break. Hopefully it's been restful. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Thank you. Anybody doing anything exciting for spring break other than just resting? I'm actually sitting in the middle of the desert, north of Lake Pleasant, uh, uh, camping, so to speak. I, I, I don't like camping. So don't don't let me fool you. I mean, I'm in a trailer. You call it glamping or RV? Yeah, dude. I don't like tents and <laughs> bugs and stuff. I'm not gonna lie, but I like to. I like to. For, Trace, don't. Trace is nodding. <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Like, no, I, I'm just saying. Uh, my wife wanted a nicer rig, and she she got it. She made it happen. And then, of course, we're on our first tour, and uh, generators out, not not firing up. So. I don't know if we'll be here tonight or not. I mean, we're in the middle of trying to fix well, that. That's where it turns into camping, right? You don't have all those luxuries. That's so. right. That's when Eric goes home. No. <laughs> that's, that's Who like, knew Eric was so high maintenance that he had to have everything when he goes camping? Dude, uh, that's you know, not that's hard. Thing. Spend some time with me. You'll find out. I, I like to pretend to rough it. There you go. You this is I mean? why we have a motor yeah, this is why we have a motorhome, absolutely. I don't think True. there's anything wrong with taking your creature comforts out there and enjoying the outdoors, but still being able to sleep in a nice, comfy room Absolutely. Bed. Well, we got this one because it has a king-size bed. Those who know me, I'm a, I'm a bit large human being, so my wife <laughs> like, we're getting a king-size bed and whatever we get. Right on. <laughs> Patrick, you've got like- some snow up there in Flagstaff the last couple oh, of days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we've had snow the last few days, and it's uh, going into, like you said, going into spring break for us. Coming out of spring break for a lot of you guys, um, we we usually sort of keep, kind of keep a half an eye on the the last snow being uh, Easter, regardless of when Easter falls in the year. Um, you know, because those are the those are the days that you don't really expect it. It kind of shows up, but yeah. A little bit of snow we had, um, depending on where you were in town, we had upwards of eight inches or so yesterday on the ground, yesterday morning. So nice. even though a majority of our students are online, they delayed the start of school and instruction 
um, so that the teachers who were working from the building could get to the building and students who were, um, uh, the few students that we have in our buildings were able to get there safely. Nice. And Trace, I saw Trace was out dirt biking yesterday. Yep, doing that and going to the bull riding tonight at the uh, Coyotes Arena and just trying to enjoy the last few days, man. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to get busy here in the next, well, 12 weeks of school left, I guess, if that's for some of us that you want to count it that way. But I know where the governor just came out with a basically an order for the state that said everybody's going to be back started this 15th or whenever your spring break is over. So I think that put a big damper in a lot of district plans that had intended to probably stay online or try to push those boundaries a little bit to stay online with as many kids as they could for the rest of the year. So going to be uh, for sure interesting to, I think a good thing. I mean, maybe, you know, COVID's finally sunsetting and we're starting to see things open back up a little bit more and teachers have all had a chance to get vaccinated. So pretty nice and in that regard, I guess, but yeah. Well, here in Flagstaff, our schedule, uh, we were actually targeting the uh, March 22nd uh, as our first return week. And um, this accelerated our elementary schedule and that's about it. But, you know, we're, we're kind of working pretty hard to get the rest of the students scheduled and on the right week as far as their return. Sure. It seems so strange because we've been back since September, you know, and, and nothing's changed. And now everybody's scrambling to go back to school. It just seems strange that right. it, it just, it's what we've been doing. Yeah. The you East, know? East Valley pretty much decided, I think, I don't know, either collectively or whatnot that most of them would stay open. So, um, kudos to the East Valley and making it happen. And I think everybody else is really kind of taking out, you know, that interesting approach of trying to either hybrid or keep everybody online. So now we've got a big call for summer school, a big, you know, a big push for everybody to, to get summer school and whatnot, but we'll talk a little bit about that later. So, uh, today, obviously I've got a, a bunch of directors in the, in our virtual room here and just really want to give people kind of an insight of what does being a director look like? What is it, you know, what's it all about? I think everybody, for the most part, you know, you hear in your, in your lunchrooms or your lounges, you know, you can hear people kind of quarterbacking your decision-making or, or whatnot. And, you know, you call it whatever it is that you want, lunchroom lawyering or, or whatever, but you know, I think it's, you know, it's a, a very important position. I, I think sometimes people don't always fully understand what the director does, right? Uh, a lot of times you guys aren't out there driving a school bus, you're making personnel decisions, you're running your apartments, you're, you know, working with trainers or working with your upper district administration. And so I just want to kind of, you know, give people an idea of kind of what that looks like. So maybe just starting out, um, Tommy, we've heard your story, but real quickly, we'll just start with Tommy. How'd you get into transportation briefly? I know your story is a, a long one, so, um, you know, briefly we'll go around the room, how you got started, and then uh, we'll just kind of segue into the, the rest of the conversation. Well, mine started with, uh, I was in the classroom, I was teaching, and I went back to work on my graduate degree, my master's, and I didn't want to teach while I did it, so I decided to, let's go eight on a school bus for a little while just to get me through this, turned into driving, and then after that turned into routing and fell in love with this side of the district and that, that back inside. And then after 13 years as a router, our 
director at the time was moving on and I applied and uh, was hired on as director. So the bus took a wrong turn, as we put it, from the classroom into the, the vehicle. Sure. Thank you for that. And uh, Eric? Yeah, a little different background. I was uh, I was in commercial trucking or food service with Shamrock Foods for 15 years. And uh, I always had a dream of going back and working in the community I grew up in. And someone showed me that the job was open one district north of where I grew up. And uh, they were looking to make a change. Um, you know, they had a lot of compliance issues, personnel issues, and they thought, you know, we've tried educator after educator and had the same result. And uh, believe it or not, I was a little different interview than I think they were used to. And um, they, you know, took a flyer on me. And so uh, that was it. I, I, I got to go back and, you know, at a, and obviously the retirement and all that made up for some of the income um, out in the, the real world and uh, went in and, and, you know, literally went from Shamrock Foods to school business. It's a big leap. Patrick. Yeah, it was different. Patrick? Well, I started uh, driving a school bus in... 2005 um i thought i was i was going to be there you know a year a couple of years um and like a lot of people in the business a lot of people around me um i ended up staying for you know 15 16 years now uh, you know i started driving the bus i i didn't know what to think about what the job was going to be um ended up actually really liking it and um found some very interesting, you know, experiences with, with children that I would have never thought, you know, you would have outside of my, my own children, you know, where you having been here for this many years, I've seen some of these children grow up, you know, go through all the grades and go from the kid whose name I knew because I had to keep calling it to, you know, student out in the community who's, you know, a young adult and got a job and contributing and all that. Um, but the path through um, the director, I, I, like I said, I started driving a bus. Shortly after that, I went to driving trips. And then not too long after that, I ended up in dispatch. And then about five years, six years later, I was in routing. And then so I sort of made my way through pretty much all of the jobs until uh, my previous director retired. And I actually applied for the job three times. <laughs> so it took me a few times to get there. Third time's the charm, I believe. Yes. Uh, so it, um, you know, and, and truthfully, the, for me, the interview process, uh, it was definitely a learning experience. Sure. You know, I was able to get feedback from that and, you know, not just improve my interview skills, but also improve what I was doing on the ground in order to say, Hey, look at the things I'm doing and, and the improvements I'm making. And, um, those kinds of things. So sure. for me, that interview process uh, over multiple years actually was just kind of this uh, feedback of what are you doing right? What are you doing wrong? Uh, what kind of improvements can you make? That kind of thing. Totally. Makes sense. And Trace? Well, uh, kind of like Eric, I took the alternative route to get here. Um, I grew up in the farm machinery dealership and uh, 
worked with tractors and balers and combines and swathers and stuff like that and uh, went from that into the trucking business. Um, I was a fleet manager for Schwann's Food Company, had 13 states, and one of those jobs where I was on an airplane every Monday and coming home every Friday and uh, figured out that I was missing my, you know, watching my kid grow up and uh, applied for a job, and it happened to be at bus dealership and ran the parts and service for Canyon State for four years and went from that into the homicide over at Ash for 10 years, selling buses, selling parts, selling service, that kind of stuff, and doing a lot of training. And uh, somehow or another, ended up in Gilbert. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a strange, strange path. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, Every we all have this way of getting here one way or the mine's pretty similar to to Patrick's. I wasn't planning to, you know, to make bus driving more than a couple years, you know, just a quote in between job. So um but it's interesting how pathways and doorways open up and you start finding different little niches here and there that you're interested in and um, you know, I mean this Eric's we've we've talked about this. This industry is ripe for technology and you know, a, a big boom and, and push into kind of what, you know, Tesla and all sorts of things are doing. So it's, it's kind of exciting just to see, you know, how, how the, the industry has progressed in the last 10 years. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Is anybody on that SRP grant, by the way, that since you mentioned, mentioned Tesla? Uh, no, I mean, oh, as far as are you talking about the one that uh, we talked about the other or had had um, Giovanni present on that one? Yeah. Nuh-uh. Yeah, I'm I'm chasing it down. I'm I'm real close. Nice. Uh, I think I've got the district, but you got to be done by April 30th. So we're we hit spring break, obviously, and pump the brakes. But sure. yeah, that's yeah. I thank you for that. We're working really hard to uh, put in chargers to employees, a couple in the fleet, and then one bus. Right on. Yeah, like I said, it's pretty, you know, exciting that these grants and, you know, all the different options that are out there that you can, you know, that people don't even know about, right? So Giovanni had reached yeah. out to us from SRP and, and had asked us if he could present. And honestly, I was like, I don't know if anybody would be, you know, I mean, that timetable is really hard to to be up against. I mean, he presented, what, in February? And so to, to have, you, you know how things get done in a school district it takes weeks months sometimes so um yeah i'm glad that somebody was able to take advantage of that but real quick uh you know just so you guys have all been at least a year in your position if not longer what do you think are some of the challenges maybe that you, you walked into um or or just being a director like what's the challenge i mean we're always being asked to do more with less so aside of the money factor just how do you I mean, what have been the biggest challenges that you've seen and in, in no particular order? Whoever wants to go first. My, my biggest uh, issue was just the culture change of coming from the outside world to this side of the fence um, where there is, there's not a whole lot of sense of urgency. Um, you know, like you just said, school districts take weeks, months, everything like that. Um that's just not how it happens on the other side of the fence. Sure. You know, it, it's, it's done now and you're expected to do it now. And, and just the, the culture change of trying to get everybody speeding up or, and I didn't want to slow down. 
you know, that's been a huge change. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves is when you ask somebody why they do it, they go, well, that's why we've always done it. Right. And that was my, my other challenge is it's like, no, let's find a better way and let's analyze, you know, if the way that you've been doing it works great, but why do we do it that way? That's been my, my biggest challenge. For me, uh, it's just been that driver recruitment piece is, is keeping employees in because, you know, Jason, you mentioned earlier, we, everyone thinks this is an kind of an in-between job. And, and I totally get that with the in-between looking for something. And, but no matter what school still continues, we still have to get them to and from. So it's been that driver recruitment tool, um, has been one of the toughest pieces. And then of that, you know, the, just the entire culture change of students and children over the last 10, 15 years and adapting to where it's no longer, they sit in the seat, they're quiet, they're not spoken, they don't speak until they're spoken to, and just in, encompassing all of that culture change and what kids are being told now that they have a voice and they have they have the right to have these feelings and, and feel a certain way about something towards an adult. And, and those have been the two biggest for me. It's finding that person that it's right for, but then finding that person that can be in the bus also. Sure. Eric? You know, um, that's a great question that could take up an hour on its own. I, you know, honestly, I, I think that for me, the biggest thing was coming into an industry that claimed to be the safest industry in the world. And no one understood that they they don't even follow federal motor carriers just to begin <laughs> with. Right? I mean, I'm like, you have a CDL license and your vehicle's 26,001 pounds. But for some reason, you think you're exempt from every law there is, unless it fits your need. And, you know, trying to get it from this club, this uh, this club mentality to be in a career, a real job with huge responsibility, not just saying it, but owning that. And, uh, and, I, and I know I'll probably offend a lot of people, but I am the biggest advocate for these people. I think bus driving, you know, their schedule is absolutely horrible. I, I got to be there 10, 12 hours to make eight hours pay. It's or disgusting. Six. Yeah, or six or seven, right? And uh, every everywhere you go, everybody wants to, you know, try to get those hours down and, and deny them benefits. And, uh, dude, I don't get it. I mean, I, I think my thing has been to stand on the other side of that fence, right? You're always in the South 40 if you're in transportation. You know, you're in the backyard. Yep. Because you know, everything's loud and smokes and all that. And your people <laughs> love smoke and stuff. So, I mean, and it, we're right where we should be. I want to be there. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be up front. I don't want to be in the ivory tower. But recognize the value and what we bring um and support us and get us the resources we need and make this job look guys we can't get in a bidding war with hourly wage I mean, that's where it goes to right I, I, a little more money maybe i can get some people to come across the line but if we look at it as an industry that isn't helping the kids over on the other side that's just another district right no you know so you know you try trying to build a culture that they choose you they choose you. And that's why I think Tommy's so successful, probably all of you guys. But I mean, I watch the things Tommy does and I, I'm, I'm envious, you know, I mean, 
you know, it's, they truly have to choose you because the job is just the same job, no matter where you do it, what, whatever district you're at. Right. Same challenges, the same good and bad. And, and it really comes down to do, why do they choose you? Do you support them? Um, do you remove barricades for them every day and make their job as easy as possible? You know, good equipment, good environment, and they have to be supported. So I think that would answer your question directly. Um, that's been like the biggest challenge is, is learning what these people would choose you for over the guy four miles down the road when school district, you can't just throw money at it. And I honestly don't think that's the answer for the industry anyways. Right. And I think on top of that, just how to get, how to advertise that, right? Because somebody who has no experience, you know, think of myself and Patrick coming into this with no expectations of what driving a bus looks like. How do you, how do you know and how do you pick that? you know, for yourself as a, as a bus driver coming in. Right. So, I mean, you, we can tell people that till we're blue in the face in an interview or in a video or something, but until they experience it, you know, for a year and then they all get, you know, how they get talking out there on their field trips, say, Oh, you drive over here. And what's it like over there? And, oh, you make 25 cents more an hour. Oh, you know? So I think it's really just that, like you said, that culture piece, but how do you sell it to them? That's, that's the, other yeah, side the environment. You're absolutely right. And how do you market that environment? Because there's that stigma out there of school bus driving. And how do you market that environment and that culture that you've created in your own place without, with more than just the word of mouth on a field trip? Patrick, what do you think? Well, I will say that recruitment and retention are probably the two biggest things. um, As far as, you know, what's the day to day? kind of thing you know i hate to have my mechanics out driving but that's where i'm at this year yeah everybody in my office this year is going to be driving everybody who has a cdl and a school bus certificate is going to be out on the road this year including myself yeah and um you know some of some of i'm sure what i'm running into and maybe some of you guys too is you know, everybody knows the school is closed, so nobody's applying for the job, right. at least over the last, you know, I've got three applicants and I can't get anyone to call me back on reference checks. That's, sure. that's always been an issue. But when you only have three applicants versus seven applicants or eight applicants, you know, at least you can kind of get through those. Um, before we all went into shutdowns, you know, I was working with my drivers to um, be in the schools more, you know, Um where where we started a program that I call Lunch Buddy, you know, to get more of an attachment, you know, more of a, a personal understanding with some of the students. Drivers would go to the school. They'd have lunch with the kids. And actually some of the kids, um, I, I had one parent actually contact me and say, hey, you know, we're getting ready to move. I, I know that my um, um, other students at the elementary school or having lunch with our bus driver, do you think it would be okay to have uh, my students have lunch with the bus driver at the middle school? So I actually had a parent reach out and say, Hey, we really like this, you know, where the driver is more of a human being to the students and, and the students are more of a human being to the driver. I mean, that's, that's where I started trying to get the driver to recognize, you know, that, 
they're not just their behavior on the bus. They are human beings. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously we're not, <laughs> we're not in a situation right now where we're doing a whole lot of that. We're going to be eating lunch in the classrooms. There's going to be much more isolation as far as that goes. Um, but then along the same lines, you know, that recruitment line, um, I, I've, my superintendent has, has said, of course, before everything shut down, um, yeah, I'd love for transportation to have a table at the football games when we're playing the football games in the NAU Skydome, where they can have a table that's a recruiting table. We started doing it at the, uh, the parent preview nights and, you know, obviously we're on pause with that, but that's the direction of my recruiting. And, you know, I'm, I guess I'm fortunate in some ways. I don't have other districts that are trying to steal from me because they're a long ways away. Um, You know, there's about eight drivers fairly close to us in nearby districts. You know, when I have a hundred staff, a district that only has five full-time drivers is probably not poaching very much. Um, uh, so I don't have that, you know, just a few miles down the road, somebody can get 10 cents or 20 cents. And, you know, I, I building that culture that everybody wants to come to work and they like the people they work with, or at least can get along with them and, you know, don't want to leave over, you know, when you say 10 cents an hour, that's four bucks a week. Yeah. Right. Um, but a lot of people see 10 cents an hour as, as a huge incentive. Sure. And, you know, sometimes the conversation is about, well, let's, let's give you four bucks more a week if it will make you happy. But that's, that's a whole nother negotiation issue where, right. you know, you're, you're dealing with administration, trying to get more money for drivers. Um, you know, in Flagstaff, we have a $15 an hour minimum wage. My bus drivers start at $15 and 30 cents. That's a few bucks a week. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I'm competing against every single uh, minimum wage job out there at this point. Well, even down here, you know, Target, Target, seventeen bucks an hour. You could be a census. Mm-hmm. You could have been a census taker for seventeen some bucks. You know, some bucks an hour. And mm-hmm. and we talked about that last year. And 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 I get it. I you know, I mean, districts don't have money to just throw at it. But I also think that. You know, when um, Eric was talking about the schedule, like, you know, you almost have to figure out how to break that mold of the a.m. and the p.m. shift. You almost have to have like a, you know, a six hour a.m. that's considered full time and then double your staff to have a p.m. route so that it doesn't make it a little bit more lucrative. You know, whether that's um, I forget what district it was that has their employees that goes they they do custodial work in the middle of the day or they go do you know, all sorts of things. Uh, I think it's just, you know, trying to find out like this is part of the job, but is that a deterrent then? Like, Oh, I don't want to go clean toilets or I don't want to work at a school. I just want to drive oh, a school yeah, bus. Cause we've seen let's that. Let's be honest about yeah. that. Right, Jason. Sure. I mean, I, I, every time we do that, every time we find something, half the people don't want to do that. Right. We saw, you that. know what I mean? They yeah. want to do yeah. their quote unquote job. Which we saw with COVID, right? I mean, half the half the drivers <laughs> I could keep, and half of them had to go work at a school. And you know, I lost probably 
a quarter of them because they didn't want to work in a classroom. Well, you know, why yep. not? You're, well, I understand you're a driver, but at least you're employed, you know, but they right. were willing to take their chances to go elsewhere because they were quote, weren't a babysitter. So, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's a frustrating a COVID COVID aside. It's still, it's still interesting to, you know, it's hard because people don't, some people like it because they have, you know, their own business and they can go work in the, you know, they just need the benefits or it's a, you know, some guaranteed income that, that comes in to help offset some of their, you know, private business money or whatever it is that they're doing. But I just don't, I don't know. I I know some of you guys offer eight hours, but I just don't see how you can keep people busy for 40 hours a week. Well, well you know, the 40 you hours got to remember. Yeah. You also got to remember there's a lot of, at least my drivers, they they're working for something to do they're not working for the paycheck they're not worried about the dollar they're they're just getting out of the house and doing something and they enjoy kids and then you run into the problem of you know you i don't have to go work in the classroom i don't have to go clean toilets because i'm doing this for fun sure you know and i think and so you run into that other other options. Yeah, I think that's demographic wise. You know, some of us are closer yeah. to you know, fifty five and plus older communities. You know, your your snowbirds that want to fly down here and work for you know one hundred and eighty days, and then they go back to wherever they're from for the summer, whatever. You know, but there's also Wisconsin. some of us like probably in Flagstaff that don't have that. You're you're getting you know parents, and you're getting people that just need a job. And so I think that's like, to me, when you think about like Uber drivers and Lyft drivers and people who are doing Uber eats and all that stuff, like, how do you, how do you get them to say, look, that's great that you, you know, you make your own hours and whatnot, but come drive a school bus for us, get the benefits that you're not getting from Uber. And then, you know, go drive your, you know, delivery service or whatever it is in the middle of the day. Can we can we even mention too? Our, our, I mean, at least I feel like I'm competing with unemployment right oh, now. Absolutely. You know, with all the benefits oh, and the stimulus and everything else, I, I feel like people are like, "Please fire me." You know, like <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm, I've never had somebody walk in my office, you know, as many times and just go, "Well, if you're really sick of that, just you know, if you need to fire me, I understand." <laughs> because I mean, yeah. right now they can make a pretty decent sum of money you know, not working. Sure. Yep. So, I mean, I hate to talk about that because I'm sure none of you have those people, but, you know, maybe it's just me. But if you, so let's say, you know, Patrick talked a little bit about, we've all mentioned the word culture, but how, so you've walked in, you're, you're a new director. You've, you probably heard like, oh man, that's not, you know, it's going to be a challenge to go in there. How, how did you build a strong culture in your department? And what did that, I mean, what did that take? How, how much time did it take? And how much, you know, how many people did you lose that were just like, you know, this isn't for me or I don't like the new guys. So I'm going to, I'm going to bail out. And, and how much of a struggle was that? Um, you know, I'll start. I, I would say number one, one of the things in our area like the district that I'm, I'm in currently, you know, they had a different director every year for like seven of the past eight years. And so when I came in, they said, uh, when they recruited me down there and, and I, I walk in and they're just like, Hey dude, this is flavor of the day, whatever you're saying, it, you're not going to be here next year anyways, type of thing. You know, so sometimes it's just a matter of time because you always walk in, especially like this crew that's on the phone call today, you always, 
years and years of experience, but you got to go in and prove it. So I'd say, you know, time is, you know, a big part of it. Number one, um, number two, you know, they, you have to, I think just demonstrate that, you know, you value them, um, that you're there to make their life as good as you can and, and that they are a priority and that, um, and, and I say this all the time and, and, and I know it's going to sound really cliche, but I think one of the su- reasons I've had some success, you know, in the last 18 and a half years, 18 years, I guess it's been in this industry is it's not about me. You know, um, I am nothing. My staff goes out every day. I mean, you can train and give them the tools and give them the information, but they got to make decisions that represent all of us each and every day. And it is so little about me. My job is literally getting the assets, getting the resources, removing the barricades, taking the tough phone calls or complaints. Someone yelled at you, somebody called you what? Getting on the phone and supporting them and telling that parent that it that ain't ever happening again, or I, I will assure your kid's not going to be on a bus here. You know, and and I think when we realize it isn't about us and our job is really to serve our staff and and they're our success. Everything they do determines whether Eric's on this podcast or not, because he looks like he knows what he's doing. It isn't me, dude. It's it's literally my staff, my crew, my support staff. You know, them just, you know, them going out and making great decisions every day. We've got to educate them. We've got to give them the tools. But, dude, it ain't about us. You know, you're talking to a bunch of directors, you know, asking a question that, you know, if you and I, and I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong, Jason. I'm just saying, you know, if you asked our crew, what would they say makes a successful director? I think the number one thing is they support us. Yeah. You know, they support us, period. Good or bad times. Go ahead, Tommy. I I was going to say, you have to get past just being that administrative side where you're pushing the numbers and you're fulfilling this and, and you're doing what the district is doing. You've got to pull that group together and let them know, Hey, I'm with you. Um, My job isn't here to discipline you or, you know, beat you down when you do something wrong. And, and I'm here with you to do this with you and get in the trenches with them. Um, I've always been a firm believer that it's hard to follow a leader that won't do something that they're asking you to do. Um, yeah, I will clean a bus. I will drive the bus. I will get down there and, and, you know, take the, the verbal beatings from parents on things. Um, that I think is a lot of creating that culture that you're talking about there, Eric, is it's your staff. And, the one thing you said is absolutely right. Without them, you're nothing. You know, your successes all lean on, on them. And it, it's how you treat them. And, and they've got to feel that you're, you're a part of them and not just this, you know, figurehead sitting in an office and directing them what to do. Sure. Yeah, I yeah. think it's important. Now, just for the record, I, I probably shouldn't say this because most of you probably don't know it. I've never driven a school bus. I've never driven a school bus with kids on it. I mean, I've driven, I drove a semi, so I drove a truck, and I have, a, I have a CDL, and everywhere I've gone, I've said, you need to tell me right now whether I need to meet that requirement or not, because I don't think what you pay me, I should be driving a bus. Um, you know, I also believe that a mechanic should not be driving a bus. I believe a dispatcher should not be driving a bus, because the best way that you support that crew that we're all talking about 
they don't realize it at first, but once you build an environment, somebody is at home to answer that radio with anything that you need as quickly as possible. Their whole world is different. Yep. When we're all out on buses and we're not able to answer the questions or take the phone calls from either the public, the administration, the school, or, you know, our customers, it's a whole different feel. It feels like you're in disarray. And, uh, I've, I, that's the question everywhere I've gone. As I said, literally, you want to pay me this much money to drive a school bus? I absolutely happily will, but I'm not staying 50, 60 hours to do my job when I get back. So what would you like me to do? Well, I think, and I know that sounds horrible. I mean, I'm sorry. I I think different district. I mean, you know, to a district, you know, that might be a neighbor of Patrick's that only has five drivers. Director might have to do that. You know, they don't have the luxury of, of, you know, having substitutes or, or being able to compress routes or, or whatnot. So, um, I think some of us, you know, here, in the valley have a little bit more ability to you know kind of work around things like that but at the same time your upper leadership might decide that you know that's not the role that they want their directors to do and so i think some drivers may look at that or staff may look at that in a a resentful manner and be like well he doesn't drive a school bus so i don't have to listen to him but i think it, it you have a valid point in that the other ways that you can go in and support them to show that you know you're you're giving that ability to them, you know, where a mechanic doesn't have to work 60 hours because they're out driving a bus for 30 and then they got, you know, all their work that's piling up or a router or a trainer or whatever. Cause that, that's exhausting on your, on your full-time staff, right? They're, I mean, sure yeah. there's overtime hounds out there that love it, but at the same time by, March, April, you can just see the physical exhaustion in their face and people are getting sick and they're, you know, just cranky with each other. And I think that's where you start to see that culture kind of take a dive because people aren't recognizing that we're all here doing the same job. So, you know, that support level goes a long way from administration when they're saying, hey, you know what, we got to double back on a route or we got to combine some stuff here. Let's do it because I'm looking out for my full time guys you know, to, to make sure that their well-being is being taken care of. And that's right. when you have to double down on, on that culture that you've created so you don't lose it. And and it's one of the toughest things. You know, you talk about what's like being a director. It's not just the daily operations. It's not the department. It's that culture and keeping it going forward in those times. You're right. March through the end of the year, worst time of the year. And it's, it, it's, it's just everything going on. And everyone is just exhausted by then. And this year... I think we've exacerbated that by 500%, just how exhausted we are dealing with, are we open? Are we closed? Oh, we got to bust this instead. We're going to do this instead. And you've just got to create that culture and keep pushing forward on it. And that's one of the, one of the toughest things for a department, for a department director, I think. Sure. Patrick? And, uh, you know, I, I've got to... One of the interesting things that I found is... Um, I probably make the best connections individually with drivers um, or office staff for that matter. If for some reason I need to take that person somewhere, we're sitting in the truck, I'm driving. I turn off the AM FM radio. I turn everything down. It's silent. They start talking. And you know, I I think you make the best connections when you kind of have that, captive audience and you just listen and yeah. you know 
I've learned so much about a, a number of my staff just by sitting quietly, letting them talk for, you know, a 10 minute drive because nobody likes the silence. They, sure. they want to say something. Right. Um, and then, you know, to, to Eric's point, you know, do I want to be driving? Do Does it make sense for me to be on a bus? Does it make sense for my mechanics to be on a bus? You know, yeah, they pay me a lot of money to drive a bus. They pay the mechanics a lot of money to drive a bus. But our number one mission is to get students to and from school. So as long as I'm filling that mission, and, and, and it's my last choice, you know, for me and for my mechanics and my office staff to be driving. But as long as we're fulfilling that mission, we're supporting the rest of the district so that they can get the funding they need to hopefully, you know, come back to that point where, we are able to say, okay, here's a little bit more money per hour. Here's a little bit more in the benefits area, you know, and when we're all able to hang out again, you know, in, in a, in a larger group, we're, you know, we're going to fire up the grill. We're going to, you know, be using that one picnic table we have for <laughs> 70 people. Um, I, you know, I, one, one of the things I was able to do before we, you know, got to the environment we are now is, you know, at the beginning of one of my meetings, I just had the, the pictures from our Thanksgiving get together. Now this has been two years ago at this point or a year and a half. Um, just had those playing before we started the meeting, you know, just those little things to remind people of, uh, we're, yeah, we're here to work. We're here to make a paycheck. We're here to do a job. Uh, you know, we transport the students back and forth, but there is, you know, 70, 80, maybe even 90%, um, we are, you know, able to get along with each other. We enjoy each other's company for the most part, especially with somebody else brings in the turkey. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, so those kinds of things definitely help. And, um, you know, there, there's, there are those two arguments. Do you really want to pay me that much money to drive a bus? Um, you know, as a director, um, and also do I say that I won't do what I'm asking my staff to do. So there's kind of a balance. I, uh, I feel, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to, or I am willing to do everything that I ask them to do. So. Right. Trace, go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I've kind of balanced between that. I've driven a few times. I got my student certificate over the summer i've had my cbl since i was 18 so it's kind of like on eric's side and i've only driven a few times but i think it's important that they know that i will um but i created a hierarchy of who drives in what order you know to try to minimize the mechanics when they have to drive and minimize the routers and you know that kind of stuff and i'm last you know on that list but if it comes to it we will um, and as far as the culture part, what's been working well for me, at least, is when a driver comes in and sees me or my assistant director or something about a problem, um, I try to sit down with them after we've talked about the problem and say, you know, tell me about you. What 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 brought you here? You know, what did you used to do? What did you like this? And, and kind of like Patrick, when you're driving, um, I've been doing that in my office is just say, tell me about you. And it's amazing 
how diverse of a workforce we have. I mean, I've got retired lawyers. I've got an air traffic controller that's retired. I had a, 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 a retired army general, um, you know, doctors, ministers. You cannot believe the amount of talented, educated people that were on this that are driving the school bus, you know, and it just amazes me every time. And then you, of course, you've got a few that probably will never do anything else in their life other than this, but it's just a really weird, diverse workforce. And and it's fun to learn about them, you know? And and if I can just interject real quick on that, Trace, you know, some of these people I've known for 10 years and I've learned more about them in that 10 minutes than I have over that 10 years. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can always learn a lot about them when you're driving their route too. you know, if you, if you have the ability to go, you know, some people, some people offer that as like a reward system. Like, Hey, I'll come drive your route for a day and you get, you get to interact with the kids, but that deadhead time in between, you know, picking up students or dropping off students, having that conversation that you can, you know, just share in that, right? You can treat them like a human being and not an employee or a number or anything like that, I think goes a long way that they can see that, A, you can do the job, but there you're also, the, you know, I've had that experience where, you know, somebody had an accident and they couldn't drive, but I could, I could take them through the route so they could work with their kids. I'd cover their route or do the same thing with the monitors or van drivers or what, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, your mechanics, you go drop a bus off at, you know, one of the dealerships and driving back, like talking to them, you know, just all of that. Like you said, you don't have that ability to really get to know people because we're always so busy, but it's nice to have some of that quote windshield time that you could always just, you know, get to know somebody. So what's been your, I'll start with maybe trace and then we'll just work around the room again. What's been your, in the, I don't know, you've been there about a year and a half now, right? Something like that. Yep, so what's been your proudest moment? You can use this to, to gloat about your staff or a, an initiative that you maybe started there um, that's been successful. That, what's been your, your proudest moment? I don't know if we, if I've got a proudest moment. We've done so much in such a, a short time. Um, I don't know that there is one. We had two two bases of operation. We closed one base. We moved everything to the other one. We completely remodeled the building. Um, so we had to drop design plans and go through all of that with a construction company. Uh, you know, the shop has, has done a phenomenal job. We had a horrible DPS uh, inspection when I first got there. And this year we just completed it and they did awesome um, with about, I don't know, two thirds of the staff. They did a so much better job. Um, we've chopped the heck out of the, out of the, the numbers of staff that we had. Um, it, it's just been so much. I don't know that there is one crowning jewel other than we went through school and we never missed a kid and we never missed a route and everybody, got there on time you yeah. know i guess it's that's the biggest thing not knowing what i what i'm in for and then my first year being covid um <laughs> you know it was kind of a, a crappy time to get into this gig you know but at the same time 
I was a little bit reassured because I knew that I wasn't the only one going through this for the first time. Sure. It, hell, I, no, nobody knew what they were doing. So I didn't feel like quite so much of a rookie. Yeah. We're all leveled the playing field. Eric. Yeah. And without, without a good support staff, none of it could have happened. No doubt. Eric, you still, you know, um, yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, there's so many, um, honestly, when you asked that question, I was so glad you started with someone else. And then I thought, all right, how do you take this personal or staff, you know, and, and I, I'll relate something that it's, it'll be fun to listen to. It's a good story. We were taking a, a young lady back that had some severe um, issues and uh, the state uh, representative, you know, so every day we would take her to her house. There's someone from the state that was supposed to meet her at the house and take her in and uh, till mom got off of work and uh, we get there one day or our driver gets there one day and nobody's there. So we know we can't release the child, right? You know, she's an exchange of custody. And so, or attended as most would call it. And so we're sitting there and we, we call and So the, the mother's really upset with us because it's not her job to be home and take care of her kid. Um, it's somebody else's. And so she calls the agency and they send this young kid over. The young kid gets there, shows her, her ID from the state, goes up to the house. She's apologizing to us and the girl books past us, goes into the house, slams the door and locks the door. Right. I, I climb up on this. Uh, well, you know, we get the call. We have this girl elected. So I get out to the scene. I climb up onto the flower, you know, onto the planter. And I look through this window and she's in there with two knives. Jesus. I mean, she literally has a knife in each hand. And because, uh, you know, I, she didn't know who this person was. It was supposed to be receiving her. It was someone didn't show up that day. And so she has two knives and we're calling the mother and the mother's like, well, you know, you better do something. <laughs> you know, you, you're responsible. So the radio traffic is careful as we were, we're trying to, you know, let people know we have a serious situation going on. And I can tell you the number of buses <laughs> from our district that rolled up. What can I do? What can I do to help? What can I and, you know, it happens every time, man. I mean, even when these guys, it appears like you're in that, hey, everybody's mad at each other thing. You know, no matter what happens, do they just, they show up. You know, when there's a time of need, they show up. And it doesn't, and, and I know we were talking now, they don't want to clean the bathroom to do that to fill their hours. That's one thing. But I, if there's ever a need, Dude, you'll have a train of yellow buses pulling up, running up, whatever. And I, I think every time it happens, I just sit there and it doesn't matter if it puts them in danger. You know, it doesn't Dude, they're, they're great people. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm very, very happy to be associated with it. I really am. I, I know we get lost sometimes and we forget, but I would say, you know, uh, that was one time where, you know, we have somebody with knives and, <laughs> this and that and it, what can I do boss what, what can I do man I mean you know and, and I and I just to end it real quickly you know I end up uh uh getting into the house uh talking her into and we we literally me and my supervisor 
disarmed her. The police were like, well, it's not, she hasn't threatened anyone. It's not, and they wouldn't go in. And I'm thinking this is a young lady. She, we, it was bizarre. Um, but we talked to talked her. We asked her what her favorite movie was. And when she went to grab the movie, we grabbed the knives and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just telling you, it was, uh, I, it's just one example of it doesn't matter what the situation is. These people are fantastic people committed to the children. And it's a great, great feeling to be in this industry versus show, you know, running food around. Sure. Patrick? Well, I would, uh, I would say probably one of my uh, um, most enlightened experiences, perhaps. Um, and, and it kind of did, you know, I alluded to it earlier with my, with the program I called Lunch Buddy. I, I, I had this driver who, um, every morning he came in and he said, oh, I can't stand this kid. He can't be on my bus. He jumps around. You have to take him off my bus right now. Um, you know, basically, or I'm walking out the door, you know, um, and, and he insisted that I ride the bus to see how horrible this student was. And it was a long route, and I really, really didn't want to do it, but I did it. And um, he has a student sit in the back of the bus, you know, so he's not right behind him in the, you know, the angel seat, hopping up and down and distracting him. And I sit in the back of the bus, and you know, like I said, it's it's a considerable ride. And the whole time, um, he's talking to me. He's a bright young man. You know, he's talking about the things he's going to buy at the book fair and all that. And and that's where, you know, I got this idea that if we just spent a little time sometimes with some of these students, the drivers spend a little time, if the students spend a little time with the drivers, you know, we'll understand each other a little better and, you know, maybe see things a little differently than we did and, and be able to treat each other more as humans than as, you know, somebody who's sitting behind me while I'm looking out the windshield. And, you know, I started it with that one driver and I was up to about four or so before we, you know, weren't doing this anymore. Um, that That's one of my greatest experiences as far as like a success. Um, and the other one is, you know, that really, really long-term success of that elementary student who, um, like I said earlier, you know their name because they're constantly, you know, talking back and moving around and everything else like that. And then you see them over the course of 10, 15 years and they go from, that student that can't figure out how to sit down properly and stay in their seat to a uh, contributing member of society. You see them out in public. Sure. Um, so, I mean, to me, those are the, those are the huge things. Um, you know, they seem little, but, but they're, they're really huge. And they remind me that we're part of, you know, not only teaching, we're not necessarily in the classroom. I mean, we are right now, but we're not necessarily in the classroom. But we're part of teaching and, and raising these kids it, to a certain degree. Sure. And, uh, you know, the people who stick around the longest, I think, understand that the best. No doubt. Tommy? Well, first, I, I know all four of us, five of us sitting here, we've all noticed in the stories from Eric, Trace, and Patrick that 
these successes come from the culture that we've created, which is funny that it comes back. And each one of us have all talked about something that this, our staff has done and, and not so much us. I, I think that's important to point out. But for our group, it was um, two years ago, we made a commitment as a team to sit and study brain states and what the brain does and how the brain develops in children and different age groups and learning what state your brain is in when, when something happens and studying that and focusing on that and creating in our own department uh, when we can recognize in each other where we were, which brain state we were in, our survival, our emotional, our executive, and how to move to that executive state and then putting it down to the kids when we're on the bus and learning that dropped our discipline over 57% in one semester. Because instead of the constant yelling, sit down, turn around, blah, 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 why are you talking back? It was more of that one-on-one connection with the kiddo of what was happening and why was this happening. And so that was one of our biggest. And the other was we had a, a kiddo at one of our middle schools that just, just completely hated the bus. He hated Big Yellow. Total meltdowns when it would pull up every day at home and at school. And our team came together and said, hey, can we give him a job? So he sees the bus as not something that's awful, but you know something that he has to do with it. And it started with just giving him this little slip that he would mark off what bus arrives at the middle school and then what the lineup was. And then it turned into they wanted to buy shirts. We all get the promotional things for shirts with our district name on it. And they started buying shirts for him. And he would wear them. Now, he had up to six shirts at one time. And he wore them all at the same time. <laughs> Even didn't care if it was 100 degrees outside. Um, and then it turned into when he had a meltdown in class, what would calm him down was watching pre-trip videos on YouTube. And <laughs> this kiddo ended up, he knew every driver who drove what bus, where it was going, if a bus was running late, you're sitting at a stoplight. Well, where's Barb at? Barb's not here. Why is Barb so late? What's going on? Where's Barb? Call Barb on the radio, find out where she is. And he knew every aspect of, of the industry where he was inspecting buses every day, kicking tires, letting them know if it was low, telling my drivers, hey, your bus is dirty, better clean that up. Now, that was, I think that is one of our biggest successes is how we could turn the experience of school buses, it was nothing he wanted anything to do with. He hated total meltdown. I mean, it took four people to carry him on a bus. It was not safe for him to be on the bus then. So this kid loved every aspect of it. And he can, he knows the dealers. He knows what makes they are. He knows how big they are. He knows every piece of it. And it came back to that culture we created where every child was important. And we were going to make sure they were going to be successful. And I think those are the two biggest things in, in our department out there that we've done. But again, you guys, we've all said it, it comes back to culture because yeah. none of that would have happened if we didn't have that culture in our own department. And that's a whole nother topic on on your what your school district did. And then I know that uh, I, I want to include Eric sometime on the on PBIS, Positive Behavior Intervention Supports. I think, uh, you know, I know that Eric's had some pretty good success there at, at Levine uh, getting that implemented. So. Um, final question. We're getting kind of close to the hour, but maybe I should have swip swap these, but we'll, we'll go with it anyways. What's a typical day of a director look like that, uh, that anybody wants to maybe share, you know, that, like I said, the, the lunchroom lawyers or the, the lunchroom quarterbacks want to say, well, I could do that job. Like, what is, what does that entail? What does it look like? I know it's different pretty much every day, but let's just, uh, you know, maybe go around the room with anybody that wants to share. I think a lot of it is our hands are just in, in a piece of everything. I mean, we're, we're checking the daily operations, but we're also looking long-term. I mean, here it is March 
And I can guarantee all five of us are sitting here thinking about next school year beyond July already. Sure. Um, and we're just balancing so much. Yeah, we have our lunchroom quarterbacks, and that's fine. They're going to be there because sometimes they're the ones you need to bring you back to reality at times. But um, our hands are just involved in everything from the district process to the daily operations to the maintenance side to um, purchasing what we're going to need to buy next to district projects for bell time studies or boundary studies, opening a new school. It, it, it's endless. And I, I don't ever have a typical day. Eric does. Eric has everything <laughs> typical for Eric. <laughs> yeah. It's typically uh, it's controlled chaos always. Controlled chaos, perfect word right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trace, like yeah. So I, think, I think most of the day is is spent. Um, you know, you you have you start out the day and you have a list of of things that you want to get accomplished and and priorities and stuff like that. And sometimes the first thing happens. Sometimes two or three of them happen, but then something's going to disrupt your day that all of a sudden you're in dispatch or a bus has an accident and you got to roll to that or something happens um that yeah i haven't seen a typical day in a year and a half i don't know what that day is yeah well the fact that you start with a list of things you want to do because it can start with five by the end of the day it's at 53 and you've never touched any one of them that that's what that's why i stopped making lists yeah it's I don't know I'm a I'm a list guy I have to have a list for everything. <laughs> Patrick, well, um, a typical day. What I like to do is get in early. Um, now we're we're talking about school is actually in. Um, drivers are in the yard. They're starting their pre-trip before the sun is up. Um, those days where Walking out in the yard, physically walking out in the yard, regardless of what the temperature is, walking through the shop, checking to see what's going on in there. It's kind of quiet sometimes at five o'clock in the morning, but that's a good time to kind of touch base with with some people. Um, I I haven't really followed that process in a, in a little while because we haven't been driving students, but you know, letting them know you're there, walking through the building. Um, you know, having a having a chat with drivers, you know, a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's the, you know, once the, the regular business hours, you know, 8 o'clock and that kind of thing hit, there's, you know, some days there's three, four meetings a day. Some days there's, you know, none. And Cortana sends you the thing and says, oh, look, look how much time you had to get stuff done. And I'm like, I didn't get anything done. You know, you're taking, you're taking the phone calls. You are, you know, rolling to the accident scene and making contacts with the, you know, they've pushed some of those duties back onto my department as to me personally, to make contact with the parents of, of the students who were on the bus to just say, Hey, you know, bus was involved in a minor collision. There were no injuries and, that kind of thing. Obviously, if there were injuries, I'd have to contact those families first. Um, but, you know, they set it up so I can, you know, do the district-wide call if I need to, or I can, you know, drill down to the parents on that particular bus, that kind of thing. Um, occasionally, it's, you know, making a presentation to the board and the board meeting that starts at 530. But, 
your presentation doesn't get there till 9 p.m. because, you know, everything else is in line before that. Um, or, you know, the early morning meetings. And, and when I say early morning, I mean, you know, 7 o'clock. That's not the 5 a.m. meetings. But, you know, um, pitching to the bond oversight committee that you need X number more new buses. And these are why we're buying these buses. And then dealing with vendors at times. And sometimes it's vendors of uh, – propane or vendors of diesel or vendors of buses, you know, to find, try to figure out what the glitch in the system is, if there is one. Um, and then reminding the shop that they have to follow state procurement rules and, right. uh, you know, the, none of the stuff is typical, but it, you know, it does happen frequently enough that you could say almost any one of these things happens in any given day or any given week, especially. Sure. Yeah. Eric, anything we miss? You know, I, I think uh, the only thing that I would say, I, I mean, other than those things, is just that it really depends on the time of year, right? So there's times of the year that the state report, you know, your doors shut, you know, for a half a day at a time, you know, going through the numbers, maybe with your data collector or your dispatcher, or, you know, so... You know, there's different times of year where, you know, you're going through your capital expenses and your wish list and then your needs. Um, you know, there's certain times of the year the budget's more important than others, either preparing it or making sure you have enough to get through the end of the year. Um, I think the biggest thing, a, a typical day, like I said, with the controlled chaos, meaning, you know, um, I have a reputation of being there. Um, some don't. I, I'm, I'm there a lot. Uh, you know, I, I, I try to have my door open more often than not. And then, you know, some days you're a, a cheerleader, a counselor, a psychiatrist, a, you know, I, dude, it's, it's anything, right? Whatever is needed that day, responding to an accident, responding to the state, a parent. Um, but, you know, demographics hit a certain time of year, uh, budget hits, you know, more at one time, you know, than another um state reports so really it depends but i mean mainly uh for me a day looks like uh i know trace said he's a big list guy i'm a big calendar guy which i guess is the same thing there's a list every day on the calendar and i'm a big calendar guy and uh you know just making sure you know depending on again the time of year how many meetings you got to go to um uh you know the srp project right now is taking a lot of my time trying to get that done working with maintenance and everybody and working with uh, the CFO to see what they'll fund and, you know, above the uh, grant and all that. So, I mean, honestly, I think, um, yeah, I think like everybody said, it's uh, one of those where you have a plan and then you come in every day and it's like getting on top of a wave and, you know, you just hope to stay on top, stay on your board and not get crushed, you know, and, uh, you know, ride that thing all the way to the shore and get to the end of the day because some days are beautiful, you know. I mean, everything goes as planned and other days uh, the business of the day or, or people need you and and things get moved to tomorrow, you know. But it's it's that balance of just staying on top of the wave and, and riding it every day, you know. Yeah. And I think the big thing is knowing that work will always be there tomorrow, right? Whatever we don't finish today can only do so much in a day and i i know that 
several of us are, you know, first ones in that open the yard or right behind the dispatcher and the, the last ones out kind of, you know, closing out the night, especially on those long board night meetings. Um, it's, uh, it's a lot of, a lot that goes into a lot of stress, a lot of, um, you know, just making sure that you're there and, you know, being proud, being proud to be a part of, of an organization that is part of the educational process, like Patrick talked about. So, Real quick, just to, to close it up, what would be just a, a comment from each of you on you know t- towards somebody that might be looking to make the next step into a director role or an administrative role? Just you know, words of encouragement or, or things to to be aware of. Maybe we'll start with Tommy. How's that? He's good with that. Uh, the first thing I would say is work life balance. Make sure you have a work-life balance. Yeah, I mean, we've all talked we're doing the 12, 14-hour days sometimes, but work-life balance and, and reach out to those that have been in the industry for a while. There's a wealth of knowledge there. I mean, Eric is so old, I could uh, probably ask him. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but reach out to those that have been in, in the business, and, and, and it's not always about the ones that uh, we've always done it this way. This is just the way it's done. you got to reach out to those that are innovative and, and can think outside the box. Just reach out, make yourself known that uh, you want to learn. That's the big thing for me. Nice. Patrick? Yeah. Well, I would say from my perspective, um, I, you know, th- there's kind of two ways to enter this um, this position, right? The director position. There's the way that Eric and Trace have entered it, you know, coming in from, from outside, probably because the, the district wants to see a change. And, and there's the way that I've done it and the way you've done it is is you started out driving a bus and you've learned kind of everything you can within within the building and there's sort of a uh, within the building within the yard and there's sort of a for me I got to that point where it's it was either up or out and so what am I gonna do am I gonna go up or am I gonna go out and and I I really worked hard to go up and you know, you, you kind of have to look and see what are your what are your next steps? Are you are you at a point where you're happy with the advancement of your career in that way, or do you want to do something more? And you know, I wanted to do something more, and and I was able to do it, and, and still able to do it, and I I think I still have more to do. Um, and and like I said, it's there's just a wealth of knowledge that I've learned doing it the way I did. And, you know, not that there's anything wrong with coming from outside. It's just, you know, there are peculiarities of being in a government uh, organization and learning the different things that go into it. Um, And and if you are coming from outside, you want a team that knows what they're doing. And if you're coming from inside, you, you want to know who, you can kind of groom into that team if you need it. Sure. Trace? Um, you know, I, I think both you guys have kind of hit on this, but having a support system is the biggest thing that's helped me. Um, luckily, for the last 10 years, I've gotten to know almost every director in the state and every, you know, fleet manager in the state and everything else being that what I was doing before but being able to pick up the phone or shoot an email, you know, to one of I've reached out to all you guys several times, but also to, to every other school that I can think of and say, how do you do this? And why do you do this? And, and ask 
what probably are stupid questions, but one-on-one, you don't mind being stupid, you know, and it's helped tremendously. So I guess if I was giving advice to somebody, you know, brand new coming in, it's make sure you've got that support system, make sure you can reach out to other people that are in the industry that the old timers like Eric, you know, but but the guys that have been around forever that know what they're doing and uh you know that's how you how you you start walking before you can run is you got to have help yeah and eric you know um i'm two stages number one if you're somebody who's thinking of coming into it your interview starts today um, it really does. I mean, if you're a bus driver, an associate, or whatever whatever role you're in and you, you aspire to be a director, your interview starts today. You don't get to be the average guy and and be in that circle in the corner complaining and, you, you know, and then just one day throw a nap in. The interview truly starts today. you got to start um, involving yourself. I would strongly suggest any committees, any any way that you can demonstrate uh, thought process and some civility and, um, and abilities, any way that you can get yourself in front of people, uh, at the district or in that department that, um, you aspire to get into. And you really got to handle yourself. I mean, you can't think of like, you know, Patrick says he interviewed three times. Well, that interview never ended from the first one. You know, I mean, you are now being looked at as somebody who wants to to do X, um, let's say here, become a director, you know, and, and then the other thing I would say, once you get that opportunity, at least one thing I'm trying so hard to do is the old guy, Tommy, um, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to literally every day remind myself that I don't know everything and that there's a better way for it to be done and have my mind open. And then I think the thing that makes makes you go from good to great is when you can admit you're wrong. Um, you think you knew how to do it. You thought you found, you put the effort in and something comes along and it's, it's a better way or a better product or a better system. And you got to be open-minded no matter how long you've been doing it, that uh, you got to be willing to grow yourself. Number one. And number two, you don't know everything. And I can tell you, Jason, I'm going to, I, I do this every time I, I kiss Jason's butt every time we get the, I get the opportunity. You know, this opportunity you've given me coming in with a group of guys that do what I do, whether they're new or they've done it a long time. I walk away every time with my mind reopened and, and going, wow, I love the way Tommy does this or Trace does that or Patrick, what he said about this. And it, you know, it rejuvenates me, man. I, it's, it's like, it's like counseling for me. So, um, I would say, you know, yeah, your interview starts now if you're aspiring to be, and if you get the opportunity, everything the other guy said, and then just, if you want to have longevity, man, it, you never stop learning and, uh, you're open-minded to new processes, products, and ways of doing everything. Um, every day, you know, you just got to be open and, and ready to, you know, I, I think well, if you're just settled in looking for, you know, wait until retirement, you know, uh, you probably everybody around you sees it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that would be my my two cents, I think. Well, and I think that, you know, just to add on that, though, 
the whole adage of that's the way we've always done it. The, you know, I mean, that that's a load of BS and really throw it out. I think that just shows laziness and, you know, no willingness to, to really look for better options. And I think that it's one of the things that I appreciate about Trace and the, the role that he stepped into is just having this outside look that, you know, here's, you don't, we don't have to turn school district business into corporate America, but there is really good processes out there that can be adopted from yeah. corporate America that the school districts could really benefit from, from when, when you start talking about budgets and, and money savings and how, how to, how to really, you know, we don't just go burn through a blanket PO because the money's there. You got to figure out how to make it last and stretch out, you know, across the year. And so, um, you know, everybody right now is looking at a, a, I'm sure some form of a budget reduction because of COVID. And so trying to, you know, figure out how to make that work and continue to do the same work with the same performance and the same safety levels and the same, everything that everybody in your community has come to expect just because you don't have any more, you, you don't have enough money. doesn't mean that that's a, a, an answer to say we can't do this. So it's all about getting creative and, Unfortunately, using that phrase of thinking outside the box and, and you know, uh, I'm happy to bring be able to bring everybody together. And, you know, I learn a lot. And like I said, all of you guys have been all mentors to me. And, um, you know, I learn just as much, if not more, being able to interview you all uh, on something like this and hopefully put some some good information out there for everybody out on the show. So with that, I think we'll wrap it up about an hour and 15 minutes and. Thank you guys for taking the time out of your spring break, and hopefully you enjoyed the last uh, close to 48 hours before the, the fun begins. And, Patrick, enjoy your your week going into it. Hopefully you get a little bit of rest before welcoming your students back in a week. All right. Yeah, hey. thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks to all of you. All right, yeah. Jason. Always good. Jason, th- thanks for doing what you're doing, man. Yeah. It's a good service for the industry. Well, I like I said, can't do it without without everybody, and just happy to to put this out there. So, uh, hopefully, we can get this group together maybe in the summertime and have some some more uh, storytelling, and maybe talk a little bit about the shop or or whatever. I mean, I'm sure we'll find some topics to talk about. So, until then, uh, everybody, make sure to uh, stay safe, enjoy your spring breaks as you're going into them or coming out of them, and uh, we'll talk soon to uh, everybody. And stay safe. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off.